Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Praying Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prayingmedic.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Praying Medic. Now let's jump into this week's show. Hey, Dell, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, and yourself? I am doing groovy. This call is long overdue. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed reading all your stuff, and I loved your interview with Todd Adams. You know, Todd is actually the guy who first got me interested in the healing frequencies. Yeah. He started talking to me about 432 frequencies uh-huh. uh, years ago when I was writing the book on healing, uh-huh. and I didn't know anything about this stuff. I was like, oh gosh, this sounds so far out there. But, you know, I've been getting to know people a little more Mm -hmm. who have had some interesting experiences with different frequencies of music. Mm -hmm. And your name kept coming up and Todd talked about you. And then the other day, Todd and I were talking, he said, yeah, I had a chance to meet Del. It was all set up and I couldn't show up or something. So you guys didn't get to, to meet. Have you met Todd yet? No. I have not. <laughs> you still haven't met him. No. Well, you guys are going to have an awesome time when you do meet because he, he's quite the fellow. And yeah. he's, got some, he's got some really interesting uh, revelation on, on music in general. Yeah. That's um, why I said I really enjoyed it. I, when I listened to his, the podcast you did with him, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this makes sense. Cause it was weird because I was you know, worshiping the other day and I had a drum and one of the Native American drums that I just made. And... I felt led to just sit there and beat the thing, and I could feel the vibrations completely going into my body. And I did it on my head. I did it especially in my gut area. And I'm like, I know it's doing something, but I don't necessarily know, but you could feel the vibrations just soaking through. That's cool. I mean, I don't understand that stuff, but I know that something is happening. Right. When people play music as I think they're led by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That you don't understand why it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense because it's spiritual and mm-hmm. spiritual stuff doesn't really always resonate with our mind. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really <laughs> that that this whole thing for me. That's what it's been like all the way from the beginning. And I was sharing with someone yesterday. I'm a classical musician. I like the little black dots. <laughs> right. Those <laughs> in front of me, and I'm happy. And then to do something like this. You have to completely let all that go and just sit there and play. And I was talking to someone earlier today and the free download called Beloved Friend that is on my website. When I was doing that in the studio, I'm sitting there playing and next thing I know, I'm, I'm like, there's this hymn. What, what hymn am I playing? And I didn't realize I was doing it. So and you were the, doing something, but you weren't consciously aware of right, what it was. Right. And then when I, when I got done... The recording engineer goes, that's a hymn. He goes, it's Sibelius' Finlandia. I'm like, oh, that's what it was. And I had decided before we did the recording that I was going to call it Beloved Friend because the word Dave means Beloved Friend. And after the recording, he looked up the words. The first verse talks about Jesus being our Beloved Friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Now, all right, I, I, I have to get the backstory. You are trained as a classical musician. Yes. 
And how long have you been doing uh, playing classical music? 40 years. I started right. out in the band program in, where I live in Moscow, Idaho, and went all the way, got into college, did my bachelor's here at University of Idaho, and I was going to be a clarinetist in a symphony orchestra is what I thought I wanted to do. So I then went to Yale because I was really wanting to be top-notch. And then after that, I said, don't know if that's what I want. Did the band director thing for a while and finally finished my doctorate. It wasn't until 2004. And so I just mostly been teaching in college and stuff. But then I have always played in praise teams in churches. My main instrument's clarinet, but I do play the piano. I started out mostly accompanying all of my students so they'd have someone who could play their piano parts. So that, in a nutshell. I noticed you play quite a bit of synthesizer. Well, you have to in order to tune it to 432 because you can't tune a regular piano down that far. Right, so it has to be electronically tuned. Right, and so I use different sounds depending on what I feel at the moment. How did you get interested and how did this whole evolve about tuning down to 432? And can you explain a little bit about what happened, what God was showing you? As a music history professor... I also teach music history classes. I do a lot of research on tunings and ran across some videos by this guy named Howard Goodall, who goes into the history of tuning and the history of equal temperament and how our modern scale came about. And I'm sitting there thinking, and then the solfagial frequencies came up and I'm like, okay, what are these? And so I go look at them and was trying to pay attention. And then I realized that the 432 concert pitch fits more within the, the tuning of the earth because the Schumann resonances are 7.83, and that's the fundamental. So when we're talking about pitch, there's one main pitch, and then you have all these sympathetic pitches that come afterwards that you, you can feel but not necessarily hear, right. because they're all part of the different, what they call the harmonic series. So I just started doing some research on that. And I think that the clincher was last spring, sitting in my office, and I'd watched some videos online about someone saying that people sing naturally in the 432 concert pitch. And I'm like, okay, yeah, right. So I go on YouTube and I find all these videos of these people singing. I tried to find not Western musicians, like African tribes. Aboriginal stuff. Aboriginal. And then I would hold up my tuner. And I have the kind of tuner that will tell you the specific frequency. And so whenever they'd reach the home note, the main note, if it wouldn't register, I'd hum the note they were singing into the tuner. And then I write all the pitches down. I did 30 of those videos and 27 out of the 30 were like nailing the 432 concert pitch. And the, the three that weren't were at four, around 430. And then you, so they were even lower. They were slightly lower. I mean, traditionally concert pitch before we started having instruments that measured specifics, it hovered around 432 anyway. Do you think that the innate ingrained Natural frequency is 432 when we're not trained Mm -hmm. to play music at a different uh, frequency? Well, I think it's even the train because I found some videos of trained singers that do the same thing. When you just sit and sing naturally, the tendency is to always sing low. I mean, I don't know if you – did you ever sing in choir in school at all? I didn't, but my wife had a short career as a singer. Uh, She sang in a couple of bands, and she has a very low voice for a woman. She's actually a tenor. Yeah, me too. I always say, <laughs> I say, as long as it's below middle C level. So I say, all yeah. I sing below C level. Everyone. She laughs. loves singing with Michael Bublé and Frank Sinatra and the Crooners <laughs> because they all sing in that in that range. 
choirs, when they're singing a cappella, they'll a lot of times walk up and play a note on the piano. And then choir director will come up when they're done singing and play the note. Oh, man, you guys went flat. And, of course, everyone's like, oh. But in reality, their voice just tends, I call it entrainment. I've been doing a bunch of research on entrainment. And so it's like when you have two clocks and they start out of sync, eventually they will sync together. And they call that entrainment. So the, whatever the weaker frequency will entrain to the stronger frequency, which is, I think, what's happening when we sing. Because if the 432 concert pitch spectrum, that's all the notes that fit within that tuning, are closer to the Schumann resonances and other frequencies in the earth, that's a stronger frequency. They're going to tune, tune to it. They're going to tune to it. So I think that's what's happening with our voices. So, so interesting. And that would explain a lot of things, like mm-hmm. why you said, like why people sometimes sing off key. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not really singing off key. They're yeah. singing out of the key that the director wants them to sing in, mm-hmm. but they're singing in the natural frequency, maybe. Mm-hmm. Interesting yeah. stuff. When I sing naturally without going up to the piano and getting a starting pitch, and I just start singing, as long as there's no music in the background, then I tend to be closer to 432. Interesting. And I know that my appliances match 432 tunings because I think that they, too, are going to entrain to the frequencies in the earth. I wrote it down. My espresso machine is a B. My uh, dryer's a B. I think their microwave is a C in the 432 <laughs> concert pitch. That's awesome. So I'm curious, what do you know about healing and the 432 frequency? This is where I'm going on faith. Is this a new thing for you? Yes. Are you starting to discover the yes. the other applications of it uh-huh. now well, that you know that it's a now that you suspect it's a reality the question then is how does it affect the world what is it actually doing to us i think that stories about that are still coming in because this is one of those things where you step out and, you, and god says do something like okay i don't get it but all right so as you know i'm in the dream ventures class and one right. of the things from that class is is we were you know, working on things. And I, we'd been talking about, okay, what are your gifts? What are your talents? Okay, well, I'm a musician. All right. So what can I do as a classical musician? <laughs> I think because I'd been playing keyboard in intercessory prayer for years, I think that just is just sitting down and flowing anyway. You know, after doing some research on the 432, I said, I think I want to record in these frequencies and see what this does. So I think I recorded my music without having a full understanding, and I think the understanding is starting to come in. Of course, I'm practicing with it myself, and so I have it playing all the time at the house. It's real easy to pray to, and I can really sense the difference in each of the songs. And who would think, you know, based on the specific note? And other people have said that they've been healed of things from listening to it. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't think I have a complete understanding. I just know that when God says to do something, it's probably a good idea to do it. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> That's pretty much my advice to everyone. They ask me, you know, what should I do? And I'm like, well, ask God what to do and whatever he says, do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know of any specific testimonies of people who have been healed listening to the 432 music? I'm a healing mm-hmm. fanatic. I'm always interested yes. in strange healing stories. Well, I know that one person who listened to my music anyway said that Headaches and back pain. Every time that they have that, they listen to the song. I think it's Life Restored, um, which is based on the G note, the G above middle C, uh, that they have relief. It's really interesting. 
because one of the ladies I work with at the school I teach at in Spokane, Whitworth University. Oh, so you work at Whitworth. I, that's one of the schools. I work at Whitworth. Okay. So you work at Whitworth in Washington State. Uh-huh. That's interesting. A mutual friend of ours uh-huh. is a Whitworth alumni. Really? Yes. Northwest Prophetic. Really? I had no idea. Al Mack. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, I think he went to Whitworth. Awesome. Well, I've been teaching there for 22 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know how long ago it was that he went there. It might be a little longer than that. Probably. But, uh, so you've been teaching there for a while. Yeah. The story is with my friend. She's the opera, one of the opera coaches. And we, we became lunch buddies when she first came there. And she goes, oh, I want to hear your music. So I let her borrow one of them. And she put on I think it's the Open Heaven CD. She goes, I just play it all the time. She goes, every time I have a headache or I have this, I listen to it, and I just feel so much better. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I think testimonies are just starting to come in about my music. I don't know if there's many Christian artists that are recording at 432. I think a lot of people are using the special frequencies, which are various. You have to tune your instrument four or five different times to get all of the different pitches. So, and I'm not using those. Okay. I don't think there's many people doing it yet. I think I'm one of the first Christians. Yeah, you seem to be a pioneer. I know a few people who are experimenting with 432, mm -hmm. but not many people who are producing much music. Now, you have several CDs mm -hmm. that are out, and they're all based on 432, mm -hmm. and they're on your website. Mm -hmm. it's you have free downloads. On yeah. I do. So it's healingfrequenciesmusic.com. And the free download is that one of Beloved Friend I was telling okay. you about. So, and I'm actually going into the studio again on December 16th to record the sixth album. So you've got five out and you're doing your sixth. Yeah. Do you have a goal or vision for this next album? Do you have something you want to accomplish with it? At this point, I don't think I'm going to know that until I come out of the studio. I go in and I just say, okay, God, what do you want to do with this music today? And what's really cool is the engineer is a Christian, and the recording studio is at Washington State. It's on the fourth floor of the building, and so I just get up in the elevator and go up to the fourth floor, haul my keyboard up, haul over all my percussion instruments up, lay it all out, and we always pray into the music when we're recording it. Then once you've mixed everything, then you have to do with the final re record to put the two together. And so it's really not until after I get done that I really know what it's going to do. And again, for me, that's really strange because classical musicians, we go into a practice room and we spend hours and hours and hours and hours practicing a piece of music to perform on a recital. Here I go in and I just sit down and I just let the Holy Spirit speak through me. And someone said to me today, well, what do you do if you make mistakes? Can you go back and change them? I'm like, I don't change anything because everything I play, I believe was intended by the Holy Spirit. And there's a couple places where there are some mistakes, but I turn the mistakes into something. Happy accidents. Yeah. <laughs> so you go into the recording studio, it's uh, Wazoo, mm -hmm. and then do you lay down percussion track first, or do you lay down, uh, do you do synthesizer first, or do you just, whatever comes to you, you start doing it? Well, I usually lay down the keyboard part, but I, with my new keyboard, which I've only had since July, I can actually put it into the keyboard before going to the studio which is a lot easier. It was always a little bit nerve-wracking doing that part in the studio. And right. so what I've been doing is inviting people to at my house. And then I we actually have a live worship session, which I record into the keyboard and then turn that into the actual 
So you record that digitally and then give that to your friend who's the engineer and he mixes that into the final recording? Mm-hmm. Well, wow. what he does is we go in, he plays that, and then while right. it's playing, I do the same thing with the percussion that I did with the keyboard. And gotcha. I never know what I'm going to do until I hear it at the moment. You know, I understand that process better than you would think because I do the same thing when I'm writing books. Ah. I, I literally, when I sit down to write, I sit down at my computer and I say, okay, Holy Spirit, what are we going to write about today? And I never really know. People ask me why I'm so ADD when it comes to books because I'm literally working on six or seven or eight different books at any given time. It's because on any day that I wake up, I never know what the Holy Spirit wants to teach me. So I sit down on a day when I want to write and I say, okay, what are we going to write about? Is it going to be traveling in the spirit? Is it going to be hearing your voice? Is it going to be deliverance and inner healing? Is it going to be something completely different? I never really know. So I always keep files on my computer. And when I get inspired and he starts to show me things, we have these conversations. I just start dictating whatever, whatever he's telling me. And over the course of time, it ends up turning into a book. But I never really know from time to time what it's going to be. For me, it's really cool to let the Holy Spirit speak and then just record whatever he gives you. And like you said, there's no mistakes. The only mistakes that I make is in my translation of what he's saying. Mm -hmm. What he's saying is pure revelation. Mm -hmm. My ability to convert that into English words on a page is not always perfect. Mm -hmm. So then I get to go back and do some editing and stuff. So you're doing exactly the same thing I'm doing, but with words. And I'm doing it with notes. Yes. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) You know, I just think it's so awesome because, again, you look at this, try to wrap your mind around it, that I go into a studio and I just sit down and I just start playing and I trust God is going to do what he's going to do and I don't question it. And I realized that that's what I was doing when we were recording Beloved Friend because, like I said, I had no idea that I was playing that hymn. No clue until it was all over. I, I know where you're coming from because often I'll sit down and, and I'll just get this urge mm-hmm. to think about something that he's trying to convey to me, a, a message. And I'll sit down and I'll start writing and I'll realize that I'm not quite getting it correctly. And then I have to have the conversation with him about what is he saying? What, how do I write this out? What's the point of all this? I, I, I tend to get a little impatient because I want to know what the point is. <laughs> sometimes sometimes he has to... He has to slowly build up to where I finally, I'll be writing for like an hour or two. And then I realize, oh, 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 okay, I know where this is going now. Now I'm getting to the point of what he's actually saying. It's a very interesting process creatively, whether you're a painter or a writer or a musician, to wait upon the Lord and let him give you what he wants you to dictate or to compose and you never, don't really know in the process what it's going to sound like, look like, or read like. You know, it's really interesting because for so many years, I just said, Father, I don't know how to play in the spirit. I just, I'm just so glued to the little black dots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that, you know, musicians either do really well with reading music. You give me the music, I can play it, you know. I can see exactly what it is. I mean, I can see. Well, it's, it's technical skill, which is completely different mm-hmm. from hearing the Lord and the inspiration and understanding, taking into your spirit new revelation. It's a completely different yeah. process. And I remember going to a, it was a Christian music artist conference that was in Texas in 1997 or 98. And 
all these people from all over the whole world, top Christian musicians were there, mixed in with regular church musicians. I go, I went to all of the keyboard ones and listened to all these people talk about it. And they'd say, well, I'm going to play this and play this, but they couldn't tell me what they were playing. So I just brought my little pat my staff paper and I'm right down and they're writing down everything they're playing because I can hear the notes that they're playing I don't have perfect pitch but I have piano pitch so if you play a C I know you're playing a C so I just write all the notes and then I go home and say okay how does this make sense and I was trying to do it with my mind and I just said okay God how am I because I've asked people how do you learn to play in the spirit and I think a lot of it started once I started put myself in a position to just sit, be quiet, and learn to hear from God and listen to his voice. Because I always said, I know God is speaking to me. I just don't know how he is speaking to me. And I've been doing a lot of practicing of that. You know, I think the worship thing, I mean, I sit there, I'll pray in tongues three, four hours a day sometimes. And that puts me in a place to be able to hear where your spirit can receive revelation much more easily. Uh-huh. You know, that's interesting because the book that I'm working on right now, and it's going to be released either this week or next week, is Hearing God's Voice Made yeah. Simple. And in the book, I talk quite extensively about the different ways in which God speaks mm-hmm. through music, mm-hmm. through nature, mm-hmm. through emotions. And I have exercises in the book mm-hmm. which mostly amount to getting still, getting quiet, tuning out all the noise, and getting your soul and your spirit sensitive to receive what he wants to show you in whatever way he wants to show you, and not having any preconceived ideas about what it's going to sound like, look like, or feel like. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Whether it's worshiping, praying in tongues, it opens your spirit up so that Mm -hmm. you can receive more clearly what he wants to impart to you. And it's, you know, interesting, too, because when I... Because I have, I, I'll go to people's houses, and we'll sit there. I'll get out the keyboard, get it all set up, get it tuned to 432, and then lay out the percussion instruments and show everybody how to play them. I say, okay, I'm just going to start playing something, and I'm going to respond to what I'm seeing going on in the room. I always bring my flags because I have flags too. Because, you know, frequency is in everything. You know, there's frequency right. in color. Every movement has a frequency to it. So when you see these people doing all these motions with their arms – or doing things, there's frequency that's created with that. And right. I'm finally starting to realize that. And so when, we, when you get together and people do things and you're responding to what's going on in the room, that puts the group in unity. And some really amazing things have been happening in some of those sessions. It's been really well, cool. I had a very interesting experience. Do you know who Caleb Brundage is? I do not. Okay, Caleb Brundage is does flag worship for Patricia King okay. for the extreme prophetic okay. when Patricia goes and does conferences mm-hmm. Caleb would do the flag worship and he taught a flag worship workshop that I happened to go to one time mm-hmm. years ago it was amazing and he explained how he chooses the colors of the flags when he's doing worship mm-hmm. I never really thought about this but he said what I'm doing is during worship my eyes are focused on heaven, and I see colors in the heavens. I will see purple. I will see gold. I will see red. I'll see different colors. And the colors signify to me what heaven is doing at that time. It's a revelatory uh, color, and it, it symbolizes something 
whether it's a frequency or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he says, I will change flags, the colors of flags, depending on what I'm seeing in, in heaven. And while I was doing this, participating in this workshop, he gave, he did some exercises. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what I saw. As I focused my mind on heaven, I saw mm-hmm. all these colors changing. And I would see, uh, sometimes I would see like the lion mm-hmm. walking across this uh, stage, like it had a red velvet background. Oh, or wow. I would see a lot of gold or I would see deep blues and purples. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing when you start to tune into the spiritual world, mm-hmm. what God will show you and how you can convey that to other people because that's what flagging is really mm-hmm. about is kind of conveying what is heaven saying what is heaven doing getting in tune with heaven yeah I, it's the same thing i do the same thing because sometimes what i'll do is i'll record something into the keyboard then i'll turn around and play it back because you know you can loop it and then right. i'll come out and i'll join them on percussion and that's usually when i get out the flags and and do things with the flags or get out a percussion instrument. Sometimes I'll put something on my legs and stomp around and make a sound. And, and I'm doing the same thing. I'm, okay, I really feel I'm supposed to be waving the purple flags right now. And I've named right. all my flags. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I made them because I'm also a part of Samuel's Mantle, which is a prophetic training school in Canada, which just really, really started learning how to do all of this. And then I became a part of Now Interpret This, so I, it, the two hand in hand have really helped me learn to see and function in a realm that I, I knew was there, but I didn't realize I had access to. Now interpret this as a great group of people. Yeah, I love it. They're awesome. Uh, I, yeah, they're, they're great people. And Melody is a really good teacher, and mm-hmm. I've learned a lot from her. Um, I started having dreams after mm-hmm. my wife attended one of Melody's dream workshops. Mm-hmm. My wife came home, prayed over me, and that night I had my first dream in like 25 years. Wow. I've learned a lot from her over the years. She's been a really good mentor for me and a resource. I used to have all these crazy dreams, and I still do sometimes. When I was young in the spiritual things, I was always sending her emails and private messages, text messages. Hey, Mel, I had this dream. I have no idea what it means. What What is God saying in this? And she really helped me understand a lot of uh, prophetic revelation. So yeah, you're, you're I, blessed to be in the class. Yeah, it's I'm learning a lot. You know, it's it's answering all of my questions, you know, learning to see in the spirit. I've been doing a lot of practicing of that. It's like I say, it's just like what I tell my students. Okay, you're going to come in today. We're going to learn an F-sharp major scale. This is how you finger it. Okay, let's put the metronome on this speed. Now make sure your hands are doing And this is how I want you to practice that scale between now and next week. It's no different than things in the spirit. You have to set aside time to practice. I call it the P word. Which takes pra- uh, practice takes patience and perseverance. And so I'll put myself in a position where I can practice seeing, and I, that seems to happen most when I'm worshiping to the music. You know, it really is true that the spiritual senses become more attuned, more receptive, and better able to receive revelation the more we practice mm-hmm. and use them. A lot of people say, like, I've never heard God's voice. I don't see visions. I don't seem to have the kind of revelation that other people get. And my position more and more is becoming, if you will practice, if you will set time aside to give yourself time to see visions, to hear God's voice, Mm -hmm. to have those experiences, the more you practice, the better you'll get at it. It's just like anything else. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that 
that's really clicking in for me because I understand practice. Student- You're a musician. You have to understand practice. Uh, yeah. You know, I, was wa- I had a student walking out of the office oh, a couple weeks ago. And she was whining about practicing, and I made some comment. I said, I've had spent more hours in a practice room than you are alive. And then (laughs) one of the voice teachers walked out of his office, and he's going, I have never heard that phrase. I'm stealing it. (laughs) And the thing about it is, is too, as I tell my students, if you practice correctly, it you becomes just, second nature. It becomes second nature. And when you pick up that piece of music 10 years later, your hands are still going to remember how to do it. And it's not going to take as long to learn it the second time through. And I think that things of the spirit are so mirrored in a musician going and spending time in a practice room. And well, I know yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, nobody really wants to sit there and practice. But I'll tell you what, the people that I know who are really practicing hearing God's voice and practicing prophecy man they can read anybody's mail i mean it doesn't matter who that person is what's going on they will tell them their favorite flavor of ice cream they'll tell their names of their children where they're working what what they're calling and their destiny is and it's just amazing and all of that comes you know we sit there and go wow that's so cool well they just practice Mm -hmm. they practice you if you practice hearing the holy spirit practice giving prophetic words practice listening to what heaven is you know, saying as far as music goes, practice anything, it becomes second nature. It becomes really easy. You almost do it unconsciously mm-hmm. when you're really practicing a lot. It just comes so natural. It's just a part of who you are. Yeah. It's not at work anymore. Exactly. You know, and it's, you listen to these wonderful classical musicians who just make it feel so effortless. And, and you think, okay, they've had to do something to get it. <laughs> to that yes. place and so my students come in and they talk to me about that and I'm like okay if you're going to do it this is this is how you practice which it sounds like what you're doing and you're seeing in the spirit made simple hearing the spirit you know all of those it's it's very similar I think it is and that's one of the things that I, I learned and people have said oh you know it would be really cool if you did a workbook for these uh, mm. books that you're doing And I thought, I don't really want to do a workbook, but I can put in exercises at the end of the chapters. Yes. So they don't have to buy two books. And so what I'm doing now with most of the books that I write is I put in exercises at the end of the chapters. Here's the revelation. Here's some testimonies. Here are some illustrations of how this works. And here are some exercises. And if you do these exercises daily, you will start seeing visions. Everybody that I know who has read Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple, who has done those exercises at the end of the chapters, they are all seeing visions. They're seeing in the Spirit. Uh, some of them are having dreams. Some are starting to travel in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it just comes from doing yeah. the darn exercises and spending yeah. time to doing it. Yeah, I've been doing some traveling in the Spirit, too, and that's been way cool. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Would you like to share a story? Well, the one that I think... Seneca from Dream Ventures posted was going to the Heaven Strategy Room. Oh, uh, right. One. I just read the blog post. That yeah. was really good. I'll post a link to going to the Strategy Room. That was a really interesting blog post. I just read it this morning. Yeah. So. I mean, we've been talking in the class about strategy, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, Father, there has to be some strategy for me to get the music out. You know, the classical world doesn't really want to deal with it and I don't know a lot of people and I just like okay if I'm you're just gonna have to give me some strategy and then so you don't I, have a lot of social media connections 
you're in a situation that a lot of people are in. They mm-hmm. want to get the word out, but they don't, they're not really well connected. Yeah. So you had to go to the strategy room. I did. And I actually went three different times. When I, when I drive to Whitworth, it's a two-hour drive. And so I have a lot of time to practice things of the spirit. And that's, yeah, all three times were when I was driving to Whitworth or to, to and from because there's plenty of time to do things. And so the first time I'm like, okay, what's this? Then I told Seneca about it, and we talked about it. She goes, well, go back. Go ask more questions. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Hang on. You did this while you were driving? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're tooling down whatever highway it is. You're like in your mind. Yeah. You're in the heavens yeah. Yeah. in the strategy room, and you're yeah. driving along. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so, the first so Seneca night, says go back. Go back. So the next night I went back, and that was when I saw – the uh, the woman sitting in the room with nothing around her, and I'm like, okay, am I in the right place? <laughs> and then the next morning, I got the revelation. Well, if we're trying to do things on our own strength, we have zero resources to help us. Is basically, I'm like, ah, I'm clueful now. And so, I think the next one was on a Sunday, and it was a Sunday because I had to go to Whitworth to hear one of my students give a his junior recital. So that's why they were so close because I had to go up twice that week. And that's when I had the big one where I go up and saw all these lines of people. And you go get in the lines. And as soon as you received it, it just became a part of you. That was so interesting. And that is how heaven is. Yeah. It's like when you experience something, it becomes a part of you. Yeah. It's just not like hanging off of you or you're carrying it around. No, it's part of you. Well, just imagine when I'm standing in the line with the, the dude with the paintbrush painting the colors. And, and the, the paint- paintbrush... It goes in me, but the paintbrush was in me too, and it dip in, and there was more painting, and and I'm like looking at my, I'm like, cool, this is way cool, man, You're like rock on, dudes, <laughs> and so that was interesting. And then the one with the musical instrument at a retreat last fall, I was laying there, and then someone in the room saying, "There's an angel putting a musical instrument. I can't even explain what it is into you right now," and and so. There's two different occasions where musical instruments have been put inside of me. And you don't necessarily understand right away what's going on. So I think that some of the revelation of this will be forthcoming. One of the lines I stood in, there was, I called them beings because I wasn't paying attention to what they were, that had this light just emanating all around it. You know, and I go stand in the line and I just became light. So anyone who would pass through this line became light and then... I think it was the next morning, Kim was still here, and she goes, you're glowing. <laughs> <laughs> that is how the understanding comes later, when you're like, oh, now it makes sense. <laughs> that's awesome. So I, I just, I've had several, but that's the one that's most. Now, hang on, because this is where we're going to inspect the fruit. Okay. So you needed to get the word out about what you were doing. And Seneca is an entrepreneur. Right. And she is pretty savvy about marketing and promotion. Mm -hmm. And she said, you need strategy. Mm -hmm. So you got to do a guest blog post on her website. Mm -hmm. And now you're getting to do a podcast on my website. Woohoo! And that is divine strategy coming to bear its fruit. I just love that. I've read this yeah. story and I'm like, well, that's awesome because she's the next person I'm going to do a podcast with. And okay. this is exactly what God was setting you up for is 
to get the word out a little bit more about what you're doing. Here's the clincher. This is what's even – and Seneca made a comment that summer after this I made connections. There's this guy from California who is really into the chakra stuff, and okay. his, his wife is a fortune teller. So that will tell you a little bit about who they are. And he found me through my teaching assistant from last spring at Wazoo. Um, she helped me grade papers and take care of all my class stuff. And she moved back down to California, and her boyfriend's father is this guy's best friend. So there must have been something that came up about my music, and he called me. He's talked with me several times, and this past Sunday, two days ago, he calls. He goes, I want you to record nine little ditties, three minutes long, two to three minutes long, where I can put them on my website. I will pay you to do them, and people can go on the website, and they can find their chakras by listening to your music. What? <laughs> yep and I'm like at first I thought you know I don't know if I want to do this but then I this quickening of the Holy Spirit yes this is part of the strategy room stuff this is what I want to do well the interesting oh my gosh we could go off on such a tangent some of the people that I've been talking to over the last few years are fairly convinced that the seven chakras are analogous to the seven lights on the menorah mm-hmm. and the I seven candles in the in the temple mm-hmm. and that they actually represent they're they're divinely mm-hmm. created things that mm-hmm. some religious systems have kind of perverted them and satan mm-hmm. has kind of di- distorted them and used them for something else other than what they were originally created for right which is interesting and i believe that if the holy spirit wants you to create this music and put it on this guy's website people are going to come to know the Holy Spirit through your music. They're going to start to get revelation about who God is and the, the happy dance and here. Flight. I know. It's so it's like sneaking into the enemy camp and just lobbing a, a bomb in there. <laughs> it's really funny because I, I texted Seneca. I'm like, okay, this guy, uh, he's going to pay me to do it. And so I'm like, okay. You know, he says there's nine chakras. Great. So he sent me the exact frequencies he wants me to use. And I've actually already recorded them into the keyboard. And as I was recording them, I was praying in tongues. <laughs> awesome. That's and great. Then I played them back and then practiced, you know, with picked the percussion instruments that I was going to use because it's in the keyboard. So when I go on December 16th, which is Beethoven's birthday, by the way, happy birthday, Beethoven, um, nice. I'll go into the studio and we'll just take those off and he'll just play them and I'll just do the percussion and then I can send them off to him and you know, I said, as long as you put that I'm the composer of the music, you don't even have to put anything else on the site. Cause, and I just praying and believing that God will reach the core of people's hearts when they listen to this music and it will bring them to him. That is just crazy, amazing favor yes. that God is giving you. And that's the strategy. Yeah. Oh, and, and here's the other thing. The uh, opera professor, opera teacher at Whitworth, she has all these friends that are massage therapists. So I met with oh, them the day. No way. The, okay, the day that I had the dream. The, I mean, the day that I had the vision. The experience. Heaven, the experience. Right. Yeah. Two hours after that experience, I'm meeting with these massage therapists. And they want you to compose music so they, they, that they can play in their massage salons. They're buy, They're already using it and finding. They're good buying results. your music. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> great. Oh man, that is so good. We talked about when we first were putting together the music, do we want to market the Christian crowd? Do we want to market the New Age crowd? I'm like, I can do both. You know, there's one of the reasons I've kind of kept the language kind of 
neutral right. on the website because I'm just doing what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do right now. Well, that's one of the things I like about Melody is she is, I think, going about these things very wisely. Mm-hmm. And she is trying to tone down the religious jargon. Right. Because a lot of people that are in that group, yeah, yeah their, their assignment is to reach New Agers mm-hmm. and Wiccans and other people and atheists and agnostics who really get turned off by religious nonsense. And I think that God is doing some really amazing stuff through people who are willing to do things in a way that is not going to be offensive to people that are seeking, seeking the light of God, really. I'm having the same issue with this latest book, Hearing God's Voice. I'm intentionally writing the book in such a way that it won't be offensive to agnostics and atheists because... I think this, of all the books that I'll write, this has the potential to reach the most of them. Wow. And I'm taking out a lot of religious jargon. Denise is editing my manuscript. She, we need to take this out. We need to change this. This is Christianese. People aren't going to understand this if, if they haven't gone to a Pentecostal church. Because I have two people, my editor and my wife, who are translating my Christianese and <laughs> into, <laughs> into normal language that people can understand. Because I think it's really important for us to speak in a way that is plain, that is easy for anyone to understand. And even if the people don't know what they're looking for, Mm -hmm. if you present to them the heart of Papa, they're going to know that's what they're looking for when they run into it. Yeah. And and that's how I'm looking at this whole thing. You know, I'm going in ways that I never thought I'd go. A year ago, if you would have asked me about this, I would have said, ah, I I was working on my, my verbal abuse site last year. I got a forum going because I'm promoting (laughs) that book. You know, I don't know if you delved into that part of stuff, but that's where I thought my focus was going was towards that, you know, helping women who've been in a verbally abusive relationships get out of that. And then all of a sudden this comes out of nowhere. But this is... Yeah, I first ran into you when you were writing about the verbal abuse, actually. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't on my radar so Mm -hmm. much. Mm Mm-hmm. But when I realized you were talking about frequencies and healing and and tuning and all this stuff, I was like, that resonates, and I need to find out more about this. So I'll I'll put a link to that book. It's called But Words Will Never Hurt Me, and it's basically just the story. Because when I I was going through it myself, I wanted to read stories of real people, but all I could find was stuff about counselors. And so in writing my book, I, people are going through the same thing. Oh, I recognize that. I recognize that, you know, and, and a lot of people, I'm getting feedback on saying that it's really ministered to them because they saw me, who I really was and how I actually worked through things and, and came out victorious at the end. People love transparency. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, pretty darn transparent, which is, I almost didn't put it out there for a while because there's some embarrassing stuff in there, but you yeah. know, yeah. you gotta be I real. have embarrassing stuff in my, in my books too, but people really respect and they love transparency. As an author, it gives you credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes you a real person that they can identify with because they struggle with a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. You thought that was going to be your thing though. Yeah, I did. But it turned out to be not really the main thing. You, right. you think the, the music is really the main thing? Yes, I do. I, now I do. I mean, right now, today, today, <laughs> but who knows what's going to happen in six months. I, that is the other thing is not going away. I think that's probably what's going to happen is other people are going to come along his side and help with that because there really is a need for people in 
verbal abusive relationships to be able to have a community to talk and deal with things in a private setting. People in abusive relationships don't want to share with the world what's going on, especially if they're in a dangerous situation. There has to be some privacy. Well, you know, I think your book is probably going to do the same thing that some of my books are doing. Mm -hmm. Back in 2012, I thought the main thing for me was healing. Mm -hmm. I I really need to get this book out, get this Mm -hmm. divine healing book. It's going to be a game changer, and and maybe my life is going to be all about teaching on healing. Mm -hmm. Well, that was only the beginning. and That was literally the doorstep, because once the door opened... I realized, oh, there's a lot more in this room than I realized. <laughs> there's seeing in the spirit, and there's traveling in the spirit, and there's deliverance and inner healing, and there's all these other things that I want to write about. So the cool thing about that book is it's not the really the main thing for me anymore, mm-hmm. but it has opened up the discussion for a lot of people. It has explained things about healing in a way that people can relate to, and it's helped with a community of people who are trying to understand healing in a more complete way. Even though I'm kind of traveling on and doing other things, mm-hmm. like I'm really looking forward to writing a novel. Oh, wow. Uh, which I think is going to blow people away. Is that because... the Bogren series? Yes. Bogren? Yes. Bogren. Bogren. Yeah. Did you, you didn't get to read any of those stories on Facebook, did you? Probably. Uh, I don't think so. I posted like 15 short stories on Facebook and the response was really good. I don't think so. So I, I decided to write a novel. Yeah. It's 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 going to be a heavy-duty novel. It's going to talk a lot about traveling in the spirit, going into the heavens, operating from the heavenly realms. But also, I'm, I'm stealing a page from C.S. Lewis's playbook, okay. and I'm going to have dialogue between a, a junior demon and an elder demon, and they're going to be one is going to be teaching the other about how to properly torment his clients. Uh, from a la the screw tape letters. <laughs> oh no, right. I'm coming to catch you. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. I'll be your voice. <laughs> <laughs> but I do an audio book. I'm going to need some characters. But I'm looking forward to doing fiction because writing nonfiction it can be really structured. Yeah. But writing fiction, I find is very unstructured. It's very creative. And again, I'm I'm dictating the Holy Spirit. I, I see these scenes in my mind of these mm-hmm. people talking to each other and I can hear what they're saying. So I just dictate all that stuff. But the thing, the cool thing is like right now you're doing the music. Mm-hmm. Who knows a year or two from now, you may be doing something completely different. You're a forerunner and, and so are a lot of us. Mm-hmm. You get some breakthrough in a certain area. You get some really cool revelation. You show people what it looks like. You demonstrate it. You mm-hmm. teach on it. And then the Lord says, okay, that's cool, but I got something else I want to show you. Teach you about. <laughs> <laughs> then you're moving on to something else. And oh, people are like, oh, so this is so... Much. But that's what he does. Uh-huh. I mean, your future is going to be... There will be other things that will come along. Yeah, I'm sure. And that, I think the key is, like I said when I first started this out, is listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he tells you to do, even if you don't understand it. You know, a lot of people ask me about my music, and I'm like, dude, I'm clueless. I'm clueless in Moscow <laughs> because I'm just doing what the Holy Spirit told me to do. But, you know, I think that the magnitude of it is, is the fact that having gone from being a classical musician to looking at the cute little black dots to just completely letting myself go and letting the Holy Spirit speak through me, that is a huge step for me. It is a huge step because most people who are creatives, probably more so in music and writing, mm-hmm. want to know 
what is the end game? What are we trying to accomplish here? How does this thing fit into the puzzle? Mm-hmm. And you're sitting here really going, I don't really know. I just know that it's what he wanted me to do. Yep. And the thing is, too, is, again, for me to be able to tell other people, if someone said to me, she goes, I don't know a lot of people who listen to their own music. And I enjoy listening to this music. And every time I listen to the same song in six or seven different times, it'll do something totally opposite as what it did before. It's what the Holy Spirit is speaking through that song at that moment. Wow. Which I wasn't expecting either. (laughs) You probably don't get that from Peter Frampton, I don't think. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, my classical music friends don't get it, but I haven't really talked a lot about it to those people because it's out of their realm of understanding. And even outside the box, outside the box and the people in the church are looking at me because when when you worship, you're used to having some dude or dudette standing up on the stage. You know, the band starts, drummer starts playing, some, some person over there starts flagging and they sing and they leave the congregation and worship. I don't do it that way. Right. And my favorite worship music, in fact, it's really hard for me to listen to traditional praise and worship music anymore mm-hmm. after I heard Todd and Elizabeth do their worship, their prophetic worship, which really there's no lyrics. There's mm-hmm. no you you either understand what the spirit is mm-hmm. doing and taking and you can kind of go along with it. But most of it is just kind of spontaneous. Mm-hmm. After I started listening to that music, it spoiled me for anything else. The inspired, impromptu music of the spirit will ruin you for anything else. And is that I what think my problem is? <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. But, you know, if you're in that mindset where you just have to have the sheet music and everything's arranged, you probably can't understand real well this prophetic uh, inspired music. But once you get it, you don't really want to go back to the other way, I don't think. At least I don't. You know, the other thing that I'm finding is is my knowledge of music theory and, you know, having three degrees in music – You know, I think, oh, we have to throw that away. No, God is using that. Because then I can turn around and later on say, okay, that particular chord, that particular interval, that's, I'm seeing that that's starting to mean something. Right. You know, for the longest time, I couldn't listen to classical music because I taught music theory and sit there, oh, there's a French augmented six chord leading to, you know, this. And, oh, I I smell a Neapolitan six chord. You know, like, ah, don't analyze the music when you're listening to it. And so it's too easy to do that. But at the same point, we have this stuff because God is going to use that somehow in our lives. I don't know any other classical musician who's doing anything like this. I don't know very many Christian classical musicians who've gone into the realm of the spiritual stuff. So I haven't had anybody to help me learn this stuff. Well, (laughs) you are on a grand adventure. Yes. (laughs) And you are a forerunner. That's what forerunners do. They go out on the place where nobody's broken trail ahead of them, and they start breaking trail and doing, experimenting and trying new things. And I just felt like this is what God told me to do. I didn't really get it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love that about the forerunners that are, yeah. are friends of mine. What was it? Because they don't always understand what they're doing. They just know this is what God wants me to do, and he has a reason for it. Right. So I'm going to do it. And then other people say, well, what are you doing this for? I don't know. And then they think there's something wrong with you. But that's where you have to say, right. <laughs> Spirit, says, 
to do this. We don't always have to have a reason for everything right away. Yeah, the reason is because this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it beyond that. So, yeah. well, And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of religious people who, if you don't understand the reason why you're doing something, it's probably of the devil. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I have people even saying, oh, you're going to do, you know, have this music used for massage. You're going to record the chakra frequencies. Oh, I don't want to be any part of that. And people have said that to me. I'm like, well. I'm sure know, they have. Get out yeah. of your box, dude. Right. Right. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. I'm just excited to see what God is doing in all of this. I'm excited, too. I, I think that there's, I think there's probably going to be an avalanche mm-hmm. that you're going to set off. <laughs> it's going to come in your wake of people who are going to get it. Uh-huh. And they're going to realize God really is doing something new with music, and we need to get on board with it. Not that we jettison all of the old stuff. Right. But right. that we incorporate some new stuff I- into it. And we have to be willing to say, am I going to step over here not knowing what that is? Because a lot of things don't open up to you until you actually make that step. That's where faith comes in. God didn't ask you to understand what yes. he's telling you to do. He asked you to believe mm-hmm. and obey and do it. Which is where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yep. I love it. It's, it is exciting, and, you know, it's like I said, I'm not getting rid of all the classical stuff because I still love it. I mean, give me a Brahms clarinet sonata. I'll play that any day because I'm just passionate about certain pieces of music. <laughs> and when my students play them, I sit there, and I'm like, I conduct with my arms, you know, because I, I, I was thinking about this when this student, he was playing a, the Brahms E-flat clarinet sonata in his recital, and I would stand there in the recital hall with his pianist over there, and I'm using my hands to direct the music, and I'm sitting here, and then the Holy Spirit quickened me. You're, you're doing something in the Spirit with those motions. And right. it, it changed the way he played. He goes, why can't you be standing next to me in the recital? I so get it when you do that. <laughs> That's awesome. So I know that motion, you know, it all creates frequency. So when we're in worship services and we see someone flagging or someone doing a little dance or something, we got to get it out of our religious minds and think, okay, the Holy Spirit's obviously doing something and it's not us to judge whether that's right or wrong. Yeah, we need to get out of the mindset that we have to judge everything everybody does and mm-hmm. says because we don't. Yes, amen. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure in heaven there's not a whole lot of judging going on. <laughs> yes, think. <laughs> well, I tell you that the trips that I've had are pretty awesome, and you know every time I go up, I'm learning something new, and then most of the time I'll get revelation of what I did a day or so later. It's pretty quick. Yeah, most of the time when I go up, I, I have a purpose for going there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I, like you. I'm a little. Like, oh, boy, should I really do this? Is this really you, Lord, sometimes? But mm-hmm. the more I do it, the more convinced I am that uh, it, it's God, and he wants me to go there. He has a purpose for it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't always understand it. But usually within a couple of days, the pieces of the puzzle will start mm-hmm. to drop in as we're having our conversations. And mm-hmm. I'm asking him, okay, what was that about? And he's like, what do you think it was about? And take a stab in the dark. Yeah, you're pretty close. Take another stab in the dark. So it's it's pretty cool. But yeah, you don't have to understand it. You just have to take the walk of faith and do it and trust him to give you the understanding in time when you need to have the understanding, I think. That's it in a nutshell. 
Hey, Dell, I'm going to have to get going here. Okay. My sweetie and I are trying to finish up this book, but I am really, really glad I got to yes. spend time talking to you. And actually I, see I've, you, too. I've learned a lot, and I would imagine I'm going to have a dream about you and about this stuff tonight, <laughs> where, where the Holy Spirit is going to further my understanding about what this is all about. Yes. Well, good. may your book go amazingly, and you get all the downloads you need from the Holy Spirit, and it just all the pieces fall together well. And I just declare that it does exactly what it's meant to do and to reach all the people that it's supposed to reach. And I'm going to do the same for you. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to quicken to you all the understanding, all the wisdom you need for your current assignments and your future assignments. When you need the understanding to come, it will be there, and you will have the faith to just keep on doing it. Amen. Thanks for giving me your time. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Okay. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.